0: Welcome to Roots and Graffiti Season 2, a short chat diving into the happenings of Jasper County, Indiana. Episode topics range from project announcements to conversations about rule issues. Hosted by the Jasper Newton Foundation and the Jasper County Economic Development Organization, together we explore and break down what's happening here in Jasper County. Good evening. It's Stephen Eastridge with the Jasper County Economic Development Organization. Uh, I, we have a really, really exciting and interesting podcast episode for you guys today. I hope you enjoy this as much as Bree and I did. Our guest, though, is Connie Nininger. She is a consultant with CN Consulting. Uh, for, Connie was formerly with the Indiana State Department of Agriculture. She was instrumental in uh, creating a dairy strategy for the state and is, you know, leveraging that experience in helping us build what we're working on, what we're talking about for the majority of this podcast, and that is our value-added agricultural strategy. Uh, this has been something that we've been working on within in my office for a number of years now. If you've listened to me talk you, in, in different settings, you may have heard me talk about this, but this is something that we really, really believe in in the Economic Development Organization. Um, so we're really excited. Uh, we talk a lot about Uh, what's happened over the last two years, um, some of the stuff specifically in the last year with getting funding made available for the plan itself, and what we're going to be doing um, over the next 12 to 14 months to actually create what we call is our value-added agricultural strategy. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope you find it informative. If you have questions, I would encourage you to reach out to the JCDO office, ask us some questions We think it's really important that people understand what the ag strategy is, what it means. And I think Connie, in this episode, does a really good job at breaking down what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're going to do it, and what it means. So enjoy, and I hope you guys like it.
1: Well, Connie Neininger, and uh, I'm actually an independent consultant now in economic development, community development, and renewable energy. I retired from the Indiana State Department of Agriculture in December of 2019 and started my independent consulting business. And so I'm excited to be working with Purdue Center for Regional Development and the Indiana Economic Development Association as the outreach coordinator for the rural economic development model, Mm -hmm. which is the Ag strategy.
2: So you started a new business in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Yes, but it has really worked out well. Uh, first of all, I love working from home. Okay. Good. <laughs> it, you know, when I can uh, actually sit at home and and walk into a meeting, you know, five minutes before and and be done and not have to worry about a two- or four-hour drive, right. it, it really works well. And Plus, a lot of the work I'm doing is advising. Yeah. So, you know, you can do that over the phone. You can do it on Zoom, and it really works well.
0: Especially for this project is really weird and wonky because we've been talking about the the rural economic development model since right when I started with the economic development organization in fact I I went to a presentation that you and Lee did and I think Greg Slifer with Indiana Farm Bureau was there at the Northwest Indiana Forum like a week before I actually started I happened to be around and I was like well if this this seems important I should probably go to it but I hadn't technically started with the office yet and you are still with the State Department of Ag talking about the the Ag model. So can you dive into like how where did, this, where did this model come from? What's the history behind it? Because I think that's a really important part. Sure,
1: and I do remember that meeting yeah. at the Northwest Indiana yeah. Forum. So that was one of our first road shows.
0: I was sitting there with Dan uh, Preston, didn't know who he was or anything. We were just <laughs> hanging out. So.
1: Well, it was a pretty good meeting, as yeah. I recall. Yeah. But uh, what really started this conversation was the Indiana Economic Development Association. Many of our rural communities, the economic development directors have always struggled because so many conferences, seminars, workshops are really based or focused on the urban areas, the metropolitan areas. And we've always said, you know, that's great, we understand, that's important, but what about us rural communities? Yeah. And so the IEDA, Indiana Economic Development Association, decided to hold a, a get-together where they asked people who were interested in rural economic development to come together and talk about it and try to figure out what we need to do to help provide resources and information to these rural communities in the same way we have always provided to the metropolitan areas. Yeah. And so through that, we had several rural economic development leaders, the what we call ledos, the yeah. local economic development officers, come in and, and say, you know, we, we need something just focused on rural economic development. Yes, we understand we need the ru- the urban areas, we need the metropolitan areas for you know some of our services and for some of our residents that work in those areas, but you know what, those metro areas need us just as much. Mm-hmm. They need the rural communities that provide some strong workers, mm-hmm. and they, we provide the resources, the assets that feed them, basically. Yeah. And so that started the conversation, and that was, oh my goodness, it was probably three to four years ago now yeah. that we had that very first sit down And so through many months of gathering information, talking with Lido's, talking amongst ourselves, talking with the Purdue Center for Regional Development, uh, because they have a lot of information available, we started saying, wait a minute, we think we might have something here.
2: To clarify, for the girl who doesn't do economic development or ag, (laughs) this includes everything. So a a rural area is not just farming. We have a lot of manufacturing plants and other, so it's all of that, developing these rural communities with all of their pieces and parts. Is that?
0: Yeah, and we can dig into it too, but I think what's interesting about this is, and there's a lot of conversation in rural communities, and and Nathan in Pulaski County would talk about this a lot, where if you look at our gross output, what you see is a very ag-centric economies, right? And But if you look at employment, you look at very Mm manufacturing-centric opportunities. The rule model, the way, you know, Connie and the IEDA and Purdue Center for Regional Development have structured it, it sort of bridges those two parties Mm. and looks at opportunities beyond producing things in the field as a manufacturing opportunity.
2: Right. And then also just where the bedroom communities for those urban areas are just outside of, right? Like I'm gonna live here in my very comfortable small space because I like it, but I might work somewhere larger.
1: Well, and I think we need to all remember we're not islands. We're We're not sitting out here beside ourselves. just like our workforce. We don't have residents that just live and only work here Mm -hmm. within our community. We have many residents that leave outside, you know, travel outside the county to work, or they may live outside the county and come into our communities to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like the products, you know, we do not produce all of the product and it doesn't stay right here within this county. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things we started to look at through this process was our assets. I'm sure you've probably heard of asset-based community development ABCD. Mm-hmm. Well, we thought wait a minute. You know, that that really needs to be sort of the key that starts this process. Look at what you have within your community first. Look at your assets. And in the case of most rural communities, you're right. It's ag assets. We have all the farmland that grows the crops. And so many times when we think about ag, we think of The things that we grow leaving the state, leaving the country, Mm -hmm. and being transported around the world. Well, but you know what? There's things we can do with those products right here. So why don't we see if there's some opportunities uh, for this area? You know, if we're growing mint, why don't we look at a mint processor, That that raw material could go right into a processor here within the region. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that we, we try to remember as we go through this process is to change the talk, so to speak. So many times we talk about manufacturing, and it's always automotive manufacturing. What are we producing? Automotive parts, transmissions, vehicles. Well, you know what? When we talk about food processing and agriculture, we're still talking about a form of manufacturing. Right. We're just producing chicken tenders yeah. instead of automotive parts.
0: Right. That's where we have so many opportunities and that we're not, you know, we're not connecting that in rural communities. I think we get lost because all of economic development talks about automotive manufacturing, you know, advanced manufacturing, those things that when you think of you think of trinkets, you think of tools, you, but really there's an opportunity where if you think of the things as what we grow in our communities as raw material, which is what it is, there's an opportunity for logistics, you know, cost savings and and that we have an economic opportunity to, re, you know, reduce the supply chain traveling mm-hmm. and put more value per per, per per pound or per bushel whatever it is into a product before it leaves our county. So We have a better chance of it growing in the field and when it leaves Jasper County, it goes to the store instead of somewhere else to be made into something.
2: So just improving, recognizing and improving those symbiotic relationships that we have with other. Yeah. And how to to try to, what can we grow here with what we already have?
1: Okay, well, and it's really an economic development model. Mm -hmm. So for most economic developers, you know, when they are trying to attract business into their community, those businesses are going to look at, you know, the assets, the infrastructure. Now, that infrastructure may include roads. It may include water. Mm-hmm. may include the amount of electricity, especially if it's like a data center. And so when we started thinking about that, we thought, well, wait a minute. If we're talking food processing, you know what? Their needs for a food processor are going to be different than the needs for an automotive manufacturer. So yes, they're going to need electricity. They might need more water. They might need clean air around them. In other words, there cannot be another type of company that is putting particulate matter into the air because that dust could contaminate the food. Mm -hmm. And so we then realize that we need to look at this ag and food processing as an economic development opportunity a little bit different than what most economic developers do for heavy manufacturing, so to speak. What we started with is trying to figure out what are the assets within these communities. And again, just like a town is not an island within a county, a county is not an island within the state, And the state is not an island within our country, and I and I use the phrase that uh, Ed Morrison uses. You know, it's the Shanghai. I, I think he calls it the Shanghai complex or something. Okay. That if I'm standing in Shanghai, China, and somebody says I'm in Rensselaer, Indiana, do you really think they're going to know where that is? Yeah. Probably not. If you say Jasper County, right? Okay, they're still going to give you that funny look. But if all of a sudden you say, I'm in northwest Indiana, they're like, oh, okay, I can get a geographic picture of that. So we realize that we have to look at the rural economic development model, not on a county-by-county basis, but on a region. And so we have to find the synergies amongst those counties within the region that make sense. And so when we started thinking about this, we went to Purdue Center for Regional Development and said, okay, how do we figure out easily what is grown within each county? And then not only what's grown, but what type of processing or other manufacturing is within the county. And so PCRD, Purdue Center for Regional Development, said, well, what if we take the ag data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture that does an ag census every five years and put that in an easy-to-read format. I said, that would be great because I Mm -hmm. find something on the USDA ag census website and I can never find it again. (laughs) And so PCRD took that data and put it into interactive maps called the ag asset maps. And those are available for anyone and everyone to look at Uh, you can google rural Indiana stats and that AG asset map will come up and then you can search it for livestock you can get down to the county click on the county and you can say okay how many hogs are raised in Jasper County or how many emus are raised in yeah. Indiana. And we do have emus, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so <thanks laughs> and real so, big. I mean, just about any type of livestock that you can think of, any type of crops, you know, from mint to corn to soybeans to cantaloupe to blueberries, there's a map that shows all of these out there that you can click on. You can click on the layers, say, I want to know, you know, where the spearmint is grown in Indiana. Mm-hmm and it'll come up with a a map with what I call a heat map. You can click on that county, it'll show how many acres were planted, how many acres were harvested. And so when you start to look at that, and I use this example, I had a food processor come to me once that said, you know what? We're ready to expand, but we need, and I forget how many tons of green beans they were going to need in a year's time uh, well, do we have green beans grown here? You know, and they said, well, we're also going to need sweet corn. I'm like, I know we have sweet corn. So I was able to look at these maps and working with PCRD and say, well, yes, here is where those are grown. And so they're like, hmm, wait a minute. If I locate my business close to my raw material, I'm going to save myself money which means I'm going to cut my transportation costs, and that means I can put more money into my workforce, helping them improve their skills, yep. you know, and, and really help the community more. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. Not only can we find the raw material for a processor, but we can identify a processor that needs our raw, raw material. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways for economic development.
0: So let's talk about. So we've kind of like we framed out what the rural economic development strategy is. Let's talk a little bit about the effort that we're doing in our region because we've defined a region. We've done some stuff over the last year, um, and we're moving forward and we're sort of ahead of the curve in terms of some of the other regions in the state. So let's let's start talking about that and our so our six county region. So so Connie is a part of is advising our our group, and um, it's a six-county region um, that includes Newton, Jasper, Stark, Pulaski, and uh, White and Benton County. We kind of came together and sat down with PCRD and Connie, and and there were more counties when we first started talking. We, I think, you know, we also had been talking with maybe Carroll County and Warren County as well, because I think that was the natural fit of Mm -hmm. the Kerbsy region, but it determined just based on some of the data that PCRD gave us that it didn't make sense and um, decided that we were going to move together as six counties. So we spent the last year, and a little more than a year, working as a group to get funding for this for the planning process from the U.S. Economic Development Administration, the, the EDA, and actually were able to get COVID-related dollars um, for the grant. So it was an 80-20 grant. So they gave us 80% of the money. And while that was the I that was the hardest grant of my life, and I don't know, Connie, if you want, it was it was just the federal government was very thorough in giving money out. It took a really long time. I think we we submitted the initial grant in May of last year. I think correct. I don't think you know, I don't think we really heard anything until July. You know, they said you know we 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 received your application. We're looking at it. It looks good. In October said we think we have a couple of questions. In December, we said, okay, you answer our questions, thanks. In January, there was more questions. In February, there was more questions. In March, there was more questions. (laughs) And in in June, we got money, I think. Does that sound about right? That
1: sounds about right.
0: We haven't officially announced that we were awarded the money yet. I think that'll happen later this month, maybe. Um, But we were were awarded just shy of $35,000 to complete a $45,000 plan. And so now we're, we're starting to mobilize after waiting, you know, taking our time to get, get to the dollars. And now Connie is working with us to do the mobilization, actually do the planning process. And so I think it would be good to kind of talk about what we're going to be doing in, in that, you know, going forward now. Because we have until next September, essentially, to spend that money and, and create a plan.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the first things you talked about was the region. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different regions out there. There's the economic growth regions. There's the workforce development regions. There's the Indiana Economic Development Corporation regions. And so one of the things we found in this process is those other predefined regions may not be the best fit for the rural economic development model and an ag strategy. And only you within the counties know what works. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of communication back and forth. What counties have you worked with before? What ones do you think make the best fit? What do your counties grow that you know are similar? What types of processing do you have? So we even had to do sort of the 30,000-foot analysis of the proposed region to say, okay, does this region make sense? And we look at the assets, what products are grown. We look at uh, the... There's actually 22 different sectors that we look at and like you had mentioned earlier brie it's not just ag Mm -hmm. it does include manufacturing Mm -hmm. it includes transportation it includes hardwoods i mean like i said 22 different sectors that covers just about anything and everything and so and i i'm a visual person so i love it when PCRD gives me a bubble chart with all these pretty colors on it that say, okay, well, the bigger the circle, the more workers you have within your region. And they do what they call a location quotient Mm -hmm. analysis. Location quotient takes your region, your predefined region, and says, in this sector, and I'm going to use uh, food processing and agribusiness, it'll come up and compare your sector to see how strong the concentration is as compared to the rest of the country, not just the state. Mm -hmm. And if you have a location quotient, an LQ of 1.2 or greater, that means you're 1.2 times more concentrated than the rest of the country as far as this sector. If we look at the agribusiness and food processing sector for this region, we're above four percent, if yeah. I recall, yeah. four times more concentrated than the rest of the country. So does your bubble charts start flashing and blinking when those <laughs> numbers yeah. come yeah. up? Yeah. Like, yeah. do something. Over <laughs> yes, it, it, yes, It shows up in a in a the upper right quadrant, which says this is a star, you need to take a look at this. And that really tells us where we start the process. So by doing that high level analysis, that gave us some of the information that we used in writing the EDA grant. And even though it took us a longer time, it was probably really to our advantage that COVID happened. Because first of all, there were other dollars that came Mm -hmm. to EDA. And because of all of the supply chain disruptions that have occurred over the COVID era, guess what? That opened up another opportunity for us. And it really said, wait a minute, if we're talking about the food supply chain, what we are doing in our rural economic develop model may help resolve that issue for future disruptions. And so we were able to include some of that supply chain uh, language mm-hmm. in our grant and start to look at what we can do different to make sure we don't have those types of disruptions in the future.
0: The other piece that we wove into this, and it, it kind of got just kind of swept under the rug because COVID happened, but in the, the two years leading up to our application, there had been a number of sort of natural disaster-related in type incidents where it was either extreme drought or flooding. And there was a lot of things that happened in rural communities due to loss of crop and things like that because of, of, of natural disasters, heavy rains. And so we had to talk a lot about building resiliency. And it's actually my favorite thing to talk about in the plan because I, I think it's the piece where things spin off the most. But part of the goal in this is providing opportunities not just for there to be food manufacturing or food production afterwards, but also connect dots for our current producers to mm-hmm. build more resilient farms mm-hmm. and to diversify their revenue streams so when floods happen, it doesn't impact them as severely. And so we, we actually wrote a lot of that into our EDA our grant application as well because what we want to do is we want to build a resilient Economy around food and agriculture.
1: And what I ask people often: What is the most sustainable industry you can be in? Food, because we always will need food. I just said
0: that to breathe the other day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so as we go through this process, you know, we start with looking at the assets, but then once we identify some of our target sectors that say, okay, these are the stars. We need to do something with them. That doesn't mean we're going to not look at the other sectors, but we may give them a different type of attention because we don't want to lose them completely, but maybe we can help them diversify their product line so they can become a star Mm -hmm. going forward. Mm -hmm. So we start with the assets. We then take a look at the policies that the community and the region has in place. So uh, for example, there was a region once, and I'm not gonna give their name (laughs) or their geographic area that said they wanted to be the ice cream capital of the state, of the country. And we're like, okay, well, if you wanna process ice cream, what type of raw material do you need? You need the milk. And if you need the milk, where are you going to get it from? The cows. Do your policies within your county allow you to have the cows, (laughs) basically? And does everyone know that, okay, we're going to set aside this area of the county for livestock? Because we want to turn that into processing, value-added agriculture, and so we need to take a look at the policies that are set forth to make sure they fit with what we're targeting.
2: This sounds very planned, like <laughs> this sort of visioning and forward thinking and growth to all the good things that yeah. I love. Yeah. So tell me, how, how everyone just like, oh my God, we should be part of this, right? Or I mean, what's the how, how do you start this conversation with? So rural communities have we have a history and it's been pretty good. Yeah. So if it's not broke, why should we fix it? But you know, I love this stuff. But yeah.
1: Yeah. well, What's it started with yeah, with mm-hmm. us a group of us, and and uh, Stephen had mentioned it. Myself, Lee Llewellyn with the Indiana Economic Development Association, Bo Ballou with the PCRD, and Greg Slifer with uh, Indiana Farm Bureau. And then we had some representatives from the Corn Marketing and and Soybean Mm -hmm. Association also join us through this process. And so we started by making presentations around the state about our thought process, our model that we thought would work. And then it took a champion such as Stephen to come to us and say, I wanna do this. Because we are not going to shove this down a community's throat and say, oh, you need to do this. (laughs) We want the community to be invested to the point where they say, we will do this. And that's what happened here with what we're calling the Kerpsi region, the Kankakee Iroquois Regional Planning Council, this region, because they came to us and said, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. How do we get started? So the community or the region needs to find a champion yeah. that's going to help drive it from within.
0: Yeah. And mm. so that, that question actually summarizes really well what I feel like I spent all of 2018 doing. Okay. And it, because not everyone just said, that's a great idea. We're going <laughs> right. to do that. Right. And so what happened is And at the end of 2017 is when I started with JCDO. That's when that presentation at the forum started. And I I know we've talked about it a few times, but my background in economic development starts off in Michigan City. The way I started in Michigan City was I was an intern at Purdue Northwest for one of my economics professors. I literally just, like, walked into his office one day, and I was like, I love economics, but I have no idea what I want to do. Like, can you help me figure this out? And he's like, well, I have a I have a research project going on for the local economic development office. Do you want to help? And I was like, yeah, I don't even know what that is, but yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so what we did was we did uh, a cluster analysis of air and gas compressor manufacturers in Michigan City and La Porte, and essentially looked at their concentration of manufacturing employment for the, that industry and then like broke down why, what led to that and stuff. So I was like... I, from an academic standpoint, I got really interested in cluster-based policy early on. So when Connie was presenting, I was like, "Well, that's just rule cluster-based economic development. Like that's all that is." And I was like, "That's that's exactly what I want to do. I know this is this is it." So like I knew right away that this was a, a really good policy like policy adventure for us to go on. What happened is not necessarily did everyone else think that <laughs> right away, or if they did, their first answer was like. That's really great, but I just don't have time. <laughs> and it's like, oh hey, neither do I, but we're gonna do this. We're doing this. I don't care if I gotta tie you all up and take you with. I need I need your numbers for your counties, right, to make right. this region work. You guys are doing this. And there was we're not gonna name counties, but there were counties that said no thank you and we kind of like called around their leadership structure and sort of pressured them into participating. Who invited them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. They're, Who invited we invited their elected officials who then invited them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and we're all busy, but when yeah. a good idea comes along, you, uh, you have to sink your teeth into it. And so that's what, for us to get to the point where at the beginning of, you know, the, the end of 2019, and beginning of 2020, to be ready to submit a grant itself, we had to like decide who was playing in the mm-hmm. game. And what the data was, and and formulate the basic idea, and that's what we did in 2018 and part of 2019 was sort of like get the gang together and figure out what we're going to call ourselves. So,
2: so this is if I, I'm not, you don't have to all toot your own horns here, but like no one else is doing this, right? I mean, in Indiana, kind of, but
1: the Kierpsy region is the first. Okay, and when. they said okay Stephen he was a go getter he was a go pusher because he said we are going to do this and so we were actually we meaning IEDA Indiana Mm -hmm. Economic Development PCRD we and the State Department of Ag at that point were saying wait a minute you know we need to apply for a grant a federal grant we had already talked with EDA about this model and they liked it Mm -hmm. and we said well we needed a to do a pilot where we're doing four or five regions around the state. And so it's like, okay, this is, you know, this will work. And so Steven said, okay, that's great, but we want to be first. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like, okay, so they applied. (laughs) And then just a a few (laughs) short weeks afterwards, um, IEDA applied for a larger grant to cover four separate regions. Those four separate regions will have 32 counties total within those four regions. And we just heard early this week that we got that grant too. I got that that email from Lee and I was really happy about that. So that tells you that when EDA gives two grants really doing the same thing Mm. within one state, we've got something going here. And, and so we could see this being a model that not only covers the whole state of Indiana as our first priority, but possibly even going out to other states. Right. And you know we had an aha moment a while back, and, and when Steven was talking about going to the economic development directors, we realized after a couple of years of talking about this that agriculture and economic development were never in the same room together. Yep. Economic developers didn't look at agriculture as something they should target. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's manufacturing. In fact, if you pull some of the data, you can make the data say just about anything. And most of the times, you base it on your neighbor. So in other words, for the Cass, Miami, Tipton area, what do you think they would focus on? What's in Howard County, Kokomo? Automotive. So they're, they're, yep, as an economic developer, I'm going to go after automotive. Well, Guess what, it doesn't make sense though for those rural communities. In fact, if you take Howard County out of their picture, automotive manufacturing doesn't even show up on their bubble chart, their cluster analysis. And so a lot of times we've been chasing pipe dreams that never would come to fruition. How frustrating right yeah. <laughs> yeah. How come your economic development strategy isn't working yeah, right? That's right exactly and so <laughs> that's why this is all starting to make sense for these rural communities you know and and I live in White County mm-hmm. and so I say you know as an economic developer there in the past, yes, I was going after big manufacturing I wanted that Honda plant to mm-hmm. drop in my lap yep. Well guess what? it's not going to happen. For a rural community population less than 25,000, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the right. workforce. And so what do we have? Right. And that's where as we go through this process, you know, we've talked about the assets, we've talked about the policies, we then look at the infrastructure that mm-hmm. is in place in that community that will support the target. And then we identify what we call the leakages as we analyze the clusters, the targets, and we look at the raw material that is feeding what we have today, and if we see most of that raw material coming from outside of the region or outside of the state, light bulbs go off because there's an economic opportunity. What if we can bring either that raw material here, grow it here, raise it here, Or what if we can bring that processor here to support the raw material we have? And so we take a look at the whole big picture and identify some of those key targets within. And then our team that has been put together will help provide the resources to the region. So at the end of the process, we will end up with a an economic development strategy and a marketing strategy to help them target specific types of companies okay. that will support what you have here today and add value to all of those agricultural assets.
0: What I think is cool too and where I, I don't think to this point we've got to talk a lot about it in, in any of the conversations is we talk about it as like a strategy or a model but i think if we look past like what we're going to do over the next 12 months and think about its implementation what comes after that i kind of i've always felt like in my opinion what we're doing is a new is a new paradigm in um, economic development strategy for rural communities because what we don't talk a lot about in this um, part of it is workforce development initiatives strategies policy and the entrepreneurial piece to it. And so I think when we start talking about connecting the dots after the actual plan is complete and we're implementing it and we're working on infrastructure and policy and marketing, what comes after that and what helps us maintain that that energy and is um, you know supplying the workforce and getting them trained. So connecting with the Ivy Techs and the Purdue's and them and creating programs specific for the industries that we've attracted or are going to be attracting. But also things like ag tech incubators, those types of things. And so this this is sort of like we we talk about it right now is almost like it's a business attraction strategy. But I think what it really becomes in the longer run is a, an actual full a, a school of thought for how you do economic development in rural communities because for it to be sustainable, we'll have to address those other things. And so I, that's always been the thing I think that gets me most excited is like I, I want to get this part done because then... It's okay. Well, now we have this, this is how we do economic development. And a lot of us in economic development know that there's the business attraction, retention, we do those types of things. And that's a lot of what we're talking about. But there's more to that in, in economic development today than what there used to be. And a lot of it has to do with entrepreneurship and workforce. And there's big opportunities after we do this part and start implementing it to focus on that. And I think that's where we find that the other, we'll be able to really duplicate this in other communities when we have this entire package of this is what you do. You identify what your strengths are, your clusters and agriculture are. Then you start attracting those companies. You market. You help those ones expand. But then you have to sustain it. And so, how are you getting new technology developed in those industries? How are you getting new workforce developed in that industries? What are those? Who are the partners? And so, that's always been what's made me most excited about it. Is not. The the first part makes me really excited, but it's the stuff that comes after that in like two or three or four more years, and probably even further down the road.
1: And I think you're right, Stephen. First of all, this is not an economic development strategy in the way most people think of strategies. You know, uh, strategies and plans, you end up with a nice big binder with a five, sometimes even a 10-year plan of this is what we're going to do in all these different sectors. And I I really relate it to the strategic doing model where you take a look at your first step, Mm -hmm. you implement it, you analyze it, and you see what you need to do different before you just keep doing the same old thing over and over. This is a process. And what we figure out tomorrow and we identify as a target could be completely different next year. And so we have to keep analyzing the data this is data driven strategies where we take a look at the data we see what's available what opportunities there are we identify something that we can do to help add value to those areas we then reanalyze and say okay is it the same thing or oh wait a minute because we did that we now have a new opportunity over here we need to focus on. Yeah. yeah, so this is not a strategy that you will end up with a plan written on your, uh, in a binder, yeah. sitting on a shelf that you're going to pull out every now and then and say, oh, what should I do today? Yeah. No, it is constant.
0: The, and it's funny because one of the things I always used to say in the beginning, and we haven't had to say it recently, is this isn't a 100-page document that sits on the shelf. This is a 15-page page action plan on what we do for the next two years then we pause we ass- just like you said we assess we analyze and then we come up with a plan for the next two years and another 15 pages exactly. and so in 10 years we've done it you know five times and then maybe we have a hundred page document that's just the different versions and updates of our plan. But it's not something we say. Okay, here's what you do, and we all go our separate ways for the rest of our lives, right?
1: Exactly, and and that's there has to be buy-in
0: yeah.
1: uh, from the community that, and they have to realize this is not a once and done. Yep, it is a process, a long process that will improve the economy of the community, mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about. You know, and yes, our focus is going to be value-added agriculture. Mm-hmm but that value-added agriculture needs other things. We need roads, we need transportation. We might need glass bottles to put the product in. So there's so many other things that touch agriculture that we've not even thought about
0: yet. Well, And you know something that I think will play into this and it doesn't look like it on paper yet, is the presence of just like local food systems, farmers markets, things like that, small farms, local produce producers, market gardens, things like that. It's hard to capture what that would look like in our plan just yet. But I think, you know, maybe not the first two years, but I think once we start to reassess and do things, especially with like where our region is located, um, to the north we have, north you know, the rest of Northwest Indiana, which is Crown Point, Merrillville, Gary, Chicago, you know Gary, Chicago, Valparaiso, very, you know, there's honestly there's a really large population base, and then Lafayette for some of the southern groups of the county. I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to access consumers and help our, in some way, help our small producers access direct marketing opportunities for um, consumers as well, and I think that'll factor in and create a whole sort of separate driving lane of this at some point as we grow more, you know, more strength in our agricultural sectors.
1: Oh, I agree. Because we have to help ourselves first. Yeah. And if we build upon local suppliers, mm-hmm. that's going to help with those disruptions to the supply chain down yep. the road. Yeah. And so, yes, and again, it's adding value to what you have today.
0: Now that our our, our Curbsy region has our grant dollars, and we're actually mobilizing. What are we doing next? What's the next part of that?
1: Well, first I want to talk about the teams that we have put together. First yeah. of all, there's the core data team, so to speak, which includes you know Purdue Center for Regional Development, myself as the outreach coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones who are going to be providing the resource we can pull upon or, or call upon. The Indiana Economic Development Association, the Corn Marketing and Soybean associations farm bureau those are our resources that will make up that that data team we then have a regional a core regional team which is made up of one person within each county Mm -hmm. that is going to be our key or my key contact you know they will be the ones who will gather the information whether it's the data from Purdue, and take it back to their communities. Now they won't have to do that alone. And so one of the first steps we're going to be doing is reaching out to the county elected officials and some key groups within each county to make a presentation to them about what is the rural economic development model and what is this ag strategy we keep talking about Mm -hmm. to make sure they understand and get all their questions answered so they will be strong supporters of this process as we go forward. And so that's going to be happening here in the next month or so of calling on these county officials, setting up meetings, making presentations. And then we've already started the work of analyzing and reanalyzing the data. We pull that data into the core team, and we say, okay, this is what we see today. Mm -hmm. And PCRD team will help us read that data. And we'll cuss it and discuss it and figure out, okay, does it make sense? Because data can only take you so far. You need to have the local input, and that's why we have that core team. And then that core local team will take it out to their county teams. They will each have a committee Mm -hmm. that they can carry this to and say, okay, does this make sense, what we're thinking or what we're doing? And get some more feedback that we'll start pulling into, you know, our database, so to speak. And then as we start to really fine tune the information, we'll pick those target sectors. It might only be two or three sectors that we wanna focus on first. Mm -hmm. And then we'll start analyzing, okay, what companies are within those sectors? Where are they located within our region? Is there anything we're missing? You know, and so we'll have to call on some of our local companies and uh, have a questionnaire to say, okay, you know, What raw material do you use? Where are you getting it from? What's your finished product? Where are you sending it to? And try to get some more information that we may not be able to pull from the databases. And then that will help us confirm if we are on the right track, basically. And so then after we have some of that information gathered, at the same time we'll be reviewing the policies in place, we'll be looking at the potential sites for development opportunities that meet the infrastructure needs of those targets. And we'll actually end up, like you said, with a small document that says, okay, this is our strategy, this is our target, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and then we'll actually start the hard work. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's right. The the local contact in each county will really need to start drilling down and, and, promoting what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We will even end up with some potential companies that we will try to attract to mm-hmm. this region, or like you said, some local entrepreneurs that we need to help build up and expand their own businesses. Yeah. And so through that whole process, we'll work with the Purdue team to say, okay, you know, let's take a look at what we call the strategic plan of these counties and what do we need to do different from what they've been doing? And and how will it really help us focus on to these ag assets in this ag strategy?
0: Yeah.
1: So it, it, it's it's a long process. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, first and foremost, we're gonna start getting the message out there. We'll be doing a press release, and we'll be calling on our local elected officials to get in there and talk with them so they understand what we are doing first and foremost. So,
0: so people are gonna start hearing about it more and more for the next you know, year, and then as we implement it and um, continue to move forward with it, this should be something that a lot of people hear about often.
1: We want the rural economic development model to be a household name in rural <laughs> communities with across Indiana. With stickers and t-shirts, right? That's right. Oh, oh there we go. Now <laughs> we're Bree's. talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> That's
0: Bree's favorite thing: is stickers and t-shirts. <laughs> stickers and t-shirts. So one last question, and I'm doing this for Bree because she asks us on every single podcast we've done or a version of it. Is just that. You know, you you could be doing something else. You could be working in another state. Um, you you could just not care and just hang out, you know, with your granddaughter and and go to Alaska more and those types of things. But you're not. You you know, you continue to do the work. Like, why do you, why do you care? Like, what what's the driving force behind that?
1: I grew up in rural Indiana. Yeah. My daughter was raised in rural Indiana. My granddaughters are raised in rural Indiana. I want to make sure they have something to look forward to. And so when I have a person come up to me, and now I'm gonna get (laughs) (laughs) teary-eyed.
0: That's okay.
1: Economic development is just so important to Mm -hmm. every community. Mm -hmm. But when you have someone come up and say, Connie, you changed my life because you brought that company to us. That's why I do what I do.
0: Yeah, It's it's a really good feeling. We, As economic developers, we sit behind the walls and people don't always see all the work that we do or know just how much work it takes to bring a company or to keep a company, to help a company expand, and that it's, it's really rewarding to see the impact that it has on people.
1: Someone once told me, and I know there's a saying out there, it takes a community to raise a child. Well, it takes the community to raise the community, too. We all have to work together. So when we hear things out there that are negative, that isn't helping. Mm. We need to be positive, and we need to get involved. And that's what makes our community worthwhile.
0: Be involved for something. Don't be involved to be against something. And it's, and it's okay to be opposed to projects. That's totally, you know, that's the nature of all of this. And everyone is allowed to understand the way something impacts them and a project impacts their their day-to-day life in a community in their own way. But be for something, you know. Don't be against a wind project or don't be against a solar project or don't be against a CAFO. Be for whatever project you're for and bring that forward as an opportunity to grow your community.
1: We all have questions. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to ask questions, but make sure the answers are fact-based. Yes. Not just, well, so-and-so said, or I read it on the internet, because that's not necessarily fact-based. So if you do have questions about renewable energy, Mm -hmm. get the facts. Mm -hmm. And then that doesn't mean you have to like it, but you don't need to talk against it if the facts state otherwise. Yeah. Just the same way with the rural economic development model. You may say, well, that doesn't really impact me. You might have a question. Ask Stephen, ask us, You know, yeah. help us explain and be open to the answers too yeah. because like I said, it's, we're all in it together and if you don't agree, give us your take on things. Help us understand where you're coming from and give us other options or solutions. Yeah, exactly. Don't just complain. Yeah. Because we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest things I see with this process, the Ag Strategy and the Rural Economic Development Model. It is a community process and we need each and every one of you to show your support and to help us move it
0: forward. Well, thank you, Connie. I really appreciate it. Oh, um, thank
1: you, Stephen. This is great.
0: <laughs> this is, is, I have a lot of fun doing this, and to be able to talk about the ag strategy seemed like a no-brainer for me. If you're listening and you live in Jasper County or you live in one of the counties as a part of the Kerbsy region, you have any questions, what I'll do is I will put my email um, in the show notes. That way, if you have a question, and uh, then my office's phone number as well, if you guys have any questions, just like Connie said, I would really encourage you to um, reach out to the the economic development organization and ask. We we really believe in this. We're pushing it really hard and would love to sit down and explain anything and every question that you have. So,
1: or if you have a group that you want us to talk to yeah, and present that's, to. That's right.
0: If, if you're Steven listening know. and you're part of a club or a group, or you, you know, we would love to come sit down and present and talk and explain to your group and um, help you guys understand what exactly we're talking about on a deeper level. So thank you, Connie.
1: Thank you, Stephen. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Me
0: too. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening. For more information on today's topic, check out the show notes below or email us at rootsandgraffiti at jaspercountyin.com.